Welcome to the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about tech, including news, reviews, and maybe a rant once in a while. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh4. First, introductions. I'm Gary Rosenzweig. I'm the host and producer at macmost.com, where I post new Mac, iPhone, and iPad tutorials. I also make mobile games that you can find at clevermedia.com. I'm Kevin Savitz. I am the creator of freeprintable.net, where we've got more than 40,000 printable documents and templates. And I am the creator of faxzero.com, which lends, lets you uh, send faxes from your computer. And I'm Alan Wyatt. I've been uh, writing and publishing the Word Tips and Excel Tips newsletters every week without fail for just about 20 years now. Actually, it's a little bit over 20 years. Sounds exhausting. It, it, it has been exhausting, <laughs> but uh, I'm in a groove, I guess. Uh, the newsletters provide subscribers with great tips on how to better use Microsoft Office applications such as Word and Excel. And you can find them at uh, www.tips.net. Okay, so uh, we've got the big story this week, at least in our circles, has been Patreon and some changes they've made. I think uh, you've got the uh, summary there, Kevin. Yeah, uh, so Patreon is a service that uh, a lot of creators use, and it allows uh, people to basically pay for uh, creative content that they, en they enjoy. Uh, it might be podcasts, it might be art, it might be uh, uh, research and writing, um, all sorts of things. And uh, Patreon has had uh, a, a very big big and, and popular following in terms of both creators and people who support online creators. And they recently, uh, this week, changed their, their pricing model. And they are selling it as, as a good thing for creators and, and for, for patrons. Uh, but at least in, in my circle of, of Twitter and, and people I hang out with, it seems like this, the, this was the, the big story for the week. Um, people did not like these changes. Um, basically they Patreon charges now under their new, their new system uh, charges the, the patrons more. Uh, the people who are doing the creation uh, earn less and everyone seems like they're unhappy about the, the new situation. The, it particularly hurts um, people when uh, people, uh, when patrons are, are very small donors. Uh, for instance, if you're only doing uh, a, a dollar a month or something like that, and then those people get charged the most and then the creators earn the least in that situation. Um, but uh, all, all around, it seems like uh, this has just been huge explosion. People are, that I have seen are just like over it. They're moving on from Patreon to other services. And uh, so has, have, have you guys noticed that this has been such a, a big thing in, in your circles this week? Well, yeah, for me, because so Mac most is primarily Patreon supported now um, since the beginning of the year. So of course I, you know, I got that notification from them and of course our, our two other sometime hosts, Leo and, and Randy also have Patreon supported sites. Um, the way I understand it with the math, though, is, is you know, and I, maybe I'm not understanding it completely right, was previously, if somebody pledged, say, five bucks, they paid five bucks. And then 
the creator would get five dollars minus the fees from Patreon, which would include like the credit card fee stuff, and then their cut, you know, so they could pay their employees and stuff. And now they've set it so that you know somebody pays five dollars, then there's money added to the top of that. There's thirty five cents per pledge added to it plus two point nine percent. So somebody who pays five dollars ends up paying five dollars and fifty cents. That's what their card is charged. And the creator actually gets 95% of the $5. So so the creator, according to the math that I, I saw, actually gets more. Like previously, I would have gotten somewhere around 85 to 90%. It, it varies depending upon all sorts of factors per pledge. But um, now I'd get 95%. So I'd end up getting $4.75 for that $5 pledge. Um, so I'd end up getting more, but then they'd be charged more on top of that and be paying a higher amount. It does suck for people paying a dollar because a dollar you're paying that 35 cents plus three cents extra. So you're paying 38 cents above the dollar, uh, buck 38. That's kind of the highest percentage increase, you know, 38% jump um, on what you were paying before. Uh, so that sucks. And then people that are, pay- that were paying like 20 bucks for, you know, creators that are doing all sorts of things that, you know, where they're at that level, they probably barely notice the, uh, the difference. So uh, my understanding is, is it's the subscribers who are mostly upset about this. It's not the creators. Um, other than the fact that the creators take umbrage on behalf of their subscribers, because they may be losing some subscribers because of how upset they are. Yes. Yeah. And I've definitely lost, uh, actually I, th- I thought I lost a, uh, just two or three based on, uh, one place I looked, but then I did notice that I got about a dozen uh, people drop um, on the day that they sent the announcement out. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I'll definitely I'll be making more per, you know, per each one I've got, but then I, I lost a group immediately right are, there. Are most, so of, are most of those low level subscribers. No, meaning- no, they were mostly, I mean, most of my subscribers are at the, so I have a very special thing I offer at the $5 level. That's kind of my like, you're joining the inner circle kind of thing. I call it club Mac most. So most of my benefits are at the $5 level. I have like a $1 level, but that's just a thank you. You know, you don't get anything extra with the $1 level. Um, so I have most of my people at the $5 level. So I think, uh, you know, out of the people I lost, they were almost all at the $5 level, which makes sense. I may have lost a couple of $1 levels. And, um, and yeah, so it's unfortunate. I kind of feel... You know, your your only options are, um, and and both Randy and Leo have done this and announced it to their to their people that follow them is to have their own system, which is involved. You have to have a, an e-commerce system installed on your server, you know, running. You have to have user accounts and manage passwords and all that kind of thing. And then and then it's, the buck stops with you. So if some there's some credit card chargeback or some issue you need to deal with. Um, you know you have to take time out from the content you're creating to deal with these business matters. I've taken the opposite tact, and I've been like, well, Patreon allows me to not have to deal with that. I can spend you know ninety nine point nine percent of my time creating stuff, and then Patreon handles taking all the payments, dealing with all of that, and then you know I just get a monthly uh, payment from them you know, that combines all my, you know, subscriber contributions. So 
I like that. I don't want to spend time on the e-commerce stuff. So, um, so I'm, uh, I'm curious, can you clarify something for me? If you don't mind, since you are subscribed, you yeah. are creating content on, uh, on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say most of these are at a $5 level. So somebody who receives this notice had been paying you $5 per month before. Yeah. And now what are they paying you with this new change? Uh, but if I'm doing the math right now, it's going to be $5 and 50 cents. So if they're paying you $5 and 50 cents and they choose to leave over that 50 cents, what does that tell you about the subscriber or about the value that the subscriber may place upon what you provide? Or do you think that they're just doing it as a principal thing where, well, by golly, I'm going to take my 50 cents somewhere else. Well, I think people are there to support Gary and they want the money to go to Gary. They, they're not there to support this company that is basically providing transactions, you know, it, Patreon's double dipping, you know, there, I think, and, and I think people realize that. And I think that that's, that's, is where some of the, the hurt comes from. Also, there's some other, I mean, people who have really thought about this way more than I have, have realized now that uh, if say Gary takes um, uh, pledges in, but also he supports some other creators, so now the system is Gary's money goes into a pot and then his pledges that he pays to other creators come out of that pot, which is charged the exact same way. So even though the people Gary is paying is not coming out of a credit card, there's no credit card charges because it's, it's just coming out of this, this, this bank account, this fund that Gary has. Um, he's still getting charged the full 35 cents plus percentage. And so it's when, when Patreon does not have the, the same overhead in that case. So they're just doing some stuff that seems unfair. Right. I, th- I think the 35 cents per pledge is probably the biggest pain point for everybody, you know, cause there's no reason for it to be per pledge. Mm-hmm. If it's supposed to be a, you know, credit card, kind of deal it should be a you know whatever they're getting charged you know 2.9 percent or whatever it is right and per pledge there's really no oh yeah no overhead for them on that um and that's kind of i think if they if they were to back off of that if they would have just said like five percent you know and that's just it you know then i don't think there would have been this and they would probably they would actually end up making more at some of the higher end you know, the people that are, I'm sure there are people that are given hundreds of dollars, right? That are supporting all sorts of artists and doing all sorts of things. Um, just like in the app store, there are people that just buy hundreds of dollars worth of apps every month. Yeah. Um, and 5%, they would have probably ended up making more from them. And then uh, the people paying a dollar would have only been charged a dollar five. And I think so, everybody would have said five cents. So sure, you know. So do you think it's more of a messaging issue than anything else? Partially, yeah. I, I think that, I think they... Uh, they have, the, have the Patreon folks uh, realized that? Have you received a second email from them? No, no, no but I have received lots and lots of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, everybody sending out who, who I'm, I'm supporting some others and they send out their messages saying, you know, here's what Patreon said. Now I got the original message and I looked at it and I said, oh, okay, some number math stuff doesn't look like it's going to be too big of a difference for me. Um, so I just kind of ignored it. I made sure the first thing I made sure was 
they are going to be notifying people about this, right? Because it's not my responsibility to notify people because I would have been upset if they said, we're just going to do this and see if people notice. But they said in there that we're going to tell all the, the people you know, contributing. So I said, okay, good. As long as you guys are taking care of that, then fine. But then I started to get all these other messages from other people that I support and everybody didn't like it. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that you know people would be you know, the creators would be up in arms against this. Um, I see your point. I, you know, just didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Now, I'm coming at this from the app developer world, right? So when I make an app and I put it in the, in the Apple App Store for iOS or, you know, even Google Play, I'm getting 70% of the sale price. So, you know, I go and I have a game and it's three bucks. I'm getting two bucks for that game and, and this 70% you know, has been there since the very beginning um, and then you know the and you're happy to get it and you right, thank happy. Apple yes thank, thank you right for the, because it, the it's all it's the shift you're because you know before as a game developer this 70% was like ridiculous like if you made a deal to publish a game it was like a regular publisher deal you know they might sell a game for 20 bucks in the store and you might get a dollar after you know the store took their cut and then the distributor and then the publisher and then it came down to you so to get 70% it was huge and and you know it was a big breakthrough and then that's what spawned a lot of these independent game developer studios was why should we have a publisher when we could just sell directly through apple and get 70% of our price yeah. so now to think about like you know 90 to 95% is what i'm getting it's you know it, it seems like an even better deal to me um, and that's why, to me, I looked at it and shrugged. I feel a yeah. little bad for, for Patreon. I, I feel like they were humming along. They, they were the, the leader in this space, arguably. And they made a change. And maybe it was the wrong choice, but I feel like its community just turned on it. <laughs> just like, all of a sudden, they were just like, everyone was just like, oh, Patreon's evil. And, oh, man. And I... I feel like I hope I hope that there's still time they they turn it around. They remember when when Netflix said, "Oh, we're going to split off into two companies and the online video streaming, we're going to call it Quickster or it was something stupid like that." And <laughs> then the world was just like to <laughs> and and Netflix was like, "Oh, oh, sorry. My bad. You know, we 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 we're not doing that after all." And I feel like there's there's this period of time this short window where Patreon can hopefully uh, recover can hopefully fix this. They can, yeah. they can take a lesson from the old, uh, what was it? Coke and the new Coke or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Turn things around because of the backlash. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have to do it. I mean, they got to do it before the end of the month and, you know, because after they start doing this and, you know, it, it'll change everything. I think if they went back and they said, forget about that 35 cents or something like that, or maybe it's 35 cents per, uh, you know, per person, not per pledge. So it was just the 35 cent, you know, per, yeah, per yeah. account or something like that. Yeah. I think they could, um, I think they could, you know, get, get support back. Hey, you know, a big, Hey, we listen to you. You're right. That kind of deal. Uh, but, uh, but we'll see. There are some competitors breathing down their neck, you know, uh, trying to get going. And I'm sure all those competitors are, you know, madly trying to get, you know, marketing and everything aligned to maybe uh, take over some of the market share from yeah. Patreon. I like Patreon. You know, I, I really like their platform. You know, they have a platform where I can post 
post things, videos and uh, regular posts, you know, text and links and all this stuff and an app that I can do that from. And I feel like, you know, that's another thing they've done for me is if I want to give something to the people that are paying me money and not have it be on my regular site, they make it so easy to do. Um, and so I kind of would miss that if I had to go on my own or something like that and I have to develop my own system of doing that. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, so maybe it'd be something that, uh, we discuss a week or two down the road after oh, we see what Patreon yeah, does. Yeah. A big update. Yeah. Like next year. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> next week, Patreon shuts their doors. No, <laughs> I don't think that's good. <laughs> Hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully I mean, not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, there's one, uh, web comic I follow. I mean, this guy's been doing it for years and years and years and, I, you know, you can see what he's making from this and it, I feel great that, you know, this webcomic that I enjoy on a daily basis that he's making a living off of it. It's obvious from his monthly income from it that he's able to sit and devote all this time to, to making this, this uh, piece of art every day. And, and it shows too. It's really good quality. And it's really thoughtful and it's not like he's got to work a full-time job in order to just do this in the evenings. And it makes me feel really good to be a part of that. Um, so I hope, hope this can continue. Hmm. Yeah. So, Alan, tell us about uh, this feud between Amazon and Google. Well, there seems to be a, a nice little corporate feud going on these days between um, Amazon and Google. And it's apparently been going on for a little while because everybody knows that um, Amazon has had like Prime Video and stuff like that for a while. But back in, what was it? I think it was uh, 2015. I can't remember exactly which month it was back in 2015. Amazon removed and barred the sale of all Google Chromecast devices off of their site. And when they did that, um, they, they even went so far as to stop third parties from selling any Google Chromecast devices on Amazon. And I guess that Google's been trying to get Amazon to, to allow this you know, now for a while, but the uh, latest volley in this is that Google has just recently announced that it's going to stop allowing YouTube to work on Amazon devices. And, and so what we've got is these, you know, grenades being lobbed back and forth and unfortunately it's the uh, people who just want to look at the content who uh, who are the losers in, in in any of these battles as as one might guess yeah, and I don't think this is the first time that Amazon has barred a product from uh, their store for competitive reasons no I, I believe they uh, for instance, uh, blocked Sonos for a long time because they thought it would conf uh, conflict with their their uh, Echo devices. Um, although I think that they're they've now gotten over that because you can get now get Sonos with with uh, Alexa built in. So hmm. yeah, I, I, and it brings up the whole question of does a does a reseller have the right to determine what they carry, you know, in their store? Um, and, and did perhaps Google take it too far by saying, okay, we're going to not make any of our, any of our YouTube stuff 
work with your streaming devices whatsoever. Um, it's a big move, really. I mean, it really is a big move. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially as Amazon becomes, you know, I not really a monopoly because they're not, uh, but they are big and, and if they get you into, you know, prime shipping, right, you know, it's holiday time and you want to buy gifts, then you end up with this thing where it's like, well, I've already paid Amazon for prime shipping and I can't get this product at Amazon, you know, but I, but my plan was to buy all my holiday gifts at Amazon because I paid for shipping in advance. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I and I'm assuming that the thing that uh, torques off uh, Google so much is is that Amazon just keeps seeming to get a bigger and bigger and bigger, um, become a bigger and bigger destination, and they're closed out of it completely. Um, you know, be, because of the decision that uh, Amazon made to not carry any of their Chrome, uh, Chromecast devices. You know, it's funny. I think of you know you, you say Amazon isn't allowing Chromecast devices. And I immediately think, well, that's not right. Something's wrong there. But Walmart's their big, you know, competitor, right? You know, with the stores. And if somebody mentioned to me that Walmart didn't have Chromecast or a certain product, I wouldn't really think twice about it. You know, I would think that, well, they just decided not to carry that product. They have limited space and they can't carry everything. Um, and maybe they decided the profit margin wasn't good enough for Walmart or something. But so it's funny. It's I think it's the virtual, you know, Amazon has no reason not to carry something unless it's a decision like this because they don't, you know, they don't need have store space. They don't have shelf space that they have to, you know, they don't have that limit. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe and I'm just, you know, shooting in the dark here a little bit because obviously I'm not privy to what goes on in the decisions that Amazon makes in their boardrooms. But, I, you know, maybe they were afraid with the Chromecast devices that if they did sell them on there, that they might show up in their top seller lists higher than some of the Amazon devices. Mm. And they didn't want to fudge the search results on Amazon to, you know, bring their stuff up higher in the search results at Amazon. Wow. A company fudging the search results. Hmm. I'm sure so that's I, never happened. In the I'm sure that's never yeah. happened. It's never no. occurred to Google at all. No. Anyway. Um, well, it's fu funny enough. I, I, I knew there was some other major time this happened and I just looked it up and yeah. So Amazon used to not sell Apple TV. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. Be because it, it, you know, it was competitor to their fire tv um and i always thought it was funny at the time because on the one hand you know they didn't want to sell apple tv and amazon wasn't on apple tv you know it was like the it was basically the main reason a lot of people bought roku's because the main reason i brought a roku was because it was the one service i wanted amazon video wasn't available on my apple tv so Amazon wasn't allowing, you know, that. They weren't making an app for the Apple TV and they weren't selling the Apple TV because they wanted to promote their Fire TV. But at the same time, you know, just when you think, oh, there's a big feud between Apple and, and Amazon, at the same time, they came out with a, an Amazon Video uh, iPad app. Like, I don't know if it was right away, but it was, you know, at the beginning. So right away, you could use your iPad 
to play you know, Amazon Prime Video. You just couldn't use Apple TV for it. And it was kind of funny because they were trying to sell Kindles, the, you know, Kindle Fires, and yet they, they, they were like following one rule for TV devices but not following the same rule for tablets. Well, and, and now this past and now this past week, uh, Amazon has announced a brand new app for the Apple TV, so you can watch all of your Prime Video on Apple TV with no problem. Yep, I, I have it. Yeah, I, I, and I've already watched a, a movie on the new the new um, app. I'm I'm sure that has to make the Roku folks very happy as well. Oh yeah, um, it is. I have a few family members that actually have a. TV that's branded, you know, co-branded Roku. So the smart TV part of it is basically a built-in Roku. And I have two TVs that have that are branded, you know, as a smart TV, but Samsung. So they have all the same apps, but it's not. There's no Roku inside. It's just I have Amazon Video and Netflix and all that on the TV directly. And of course, I don't use any of that because I have Apple TVs hooked up to all of them, and I just automatically go to the Apple TV and watch everything through there. It just seems to work smoother. Uh, yeah, I tend to go to Apple TV for most anything anyway. So I, I was happy to hear that, you know, the Prime app was now available. Um, I just got to find time to sit down and watch some of the shows on Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's, uh, it's an interesting collection. I, I know searching for things, uh, I find a lot of odd documentaries and TV movies from like the, from the 80s and 90s that are just odd, bizarre little like Canadian or Australian TV movies and just odd things that show up on Amazon Prime Video. Um, when, and, you know, I'm not searching for those things. I'm searching for a topic. You know, I, you know I'm traveling somewhere. And I want to find a, you know, a travel video about this or whatever. And then Amazon Prime Video has some weird stuff on it. And then it's not anywhere to be found in iTunes or Netflix or any, any other place. Um, so it's good to have a weird collection of (laughs) an eclectic collection yeah yeah definitely well it'll be interesting to see what happens uh between you know amazon and google and where this leads i i I think we're not going to see the end of it i i I could be wrong but i'm not sure that we're going to see the end of it for a little while because like i say the the initial shot in this of taking chromecast out happened two years ago and and now Google is just getting around to responding, so it may be another two years. Who knows? Before sure, petty before squabbles like this up. are gonna petty squabbles like this are gonna continue forever yeah. until it becomes one giant company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Interestingly named Big Brother. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So so speaking of Google, so Google did something a, a little publicity stunt this last week or maybe it was just before that uh they came out with these video answers from celebrities for commonly asked questions of the celebrity now this only works on the google app on mobile devices so it doesn't work if you search you know in your web browser but if you asked you know a, a, a question about a celebrity and it appeared on their you know top questions asked thing um you would be surprised by a video recorded by that celebrity where they answer that question. And I think this came from, uh, there was a, a late night talk show that was doing a thing where uh, people would, uh, you know, a celebrity would be on and then they'd do the Google autocomplete thing. They type celebrity's name and then it would have all these questions, you know, are, you know, 
the celebrity name is single, celebrity name, real hair color, that kind of thing. And they would answer those questions usually with humor. So the idea is there are these top 10 or however many questions. Why not have the celebrity do videos for them? And since they're the top questions, they'll take a certain percentage of all of the people asking the questions will get a satisfactory direct video answer from that person. Um, of course, they didn't answer any controversial questions. They're all just fun ones. Uh, and so it's, is, this, is this an income stream for the, uh, uh, for the celebrities? That's a good question. I don't know if, if they got paid. I mean, certainly they're getting publicity out of it, and it, it didn't look like there were any production values. They, they look like basically they were just recorded on their phone um, while they're just in their home, office, walking around, uh, just selfie videos. Um, so that would make me think that maybe there's not money involved. Maybe it was like they emailed a few hundred of these celebrities and the ones that said, yeah, I'll do that, uh, just did it really quickly during a lunch break or something. Um, but I think, you know, it's it, it's kind of a, a stunt, you know, just some nice PR that Google got. But as soon as I saw it, I was really fascinated by the potential for using this for, you know, other types of people, like experts on things, like, uh, you know, whether it's scientists or politicians or whatever, you know, answering the questions that Google gets most often um, and having, you know, Google look up and say, well, the person that should really be answering this question about, you know, this this science thing or this national park or this whatever, you know, we could find that person and ask them to do a video and feature that video at the, uh, you know, as part of the search result. Looking at the the samples of what the, uh, they say the celebrities are, are answering and some of the questions seem whatever, convenient, a little, a little <laughs> ridiculous. You know, what, what movie changed Nick Jonas's life or Gina Rodriguez's pet peeve? I, I'm sure people aren't going to Google and going, what is, you know, type, 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 what is Gina Rodriguez's pet peeve? I like the idea that you originally said of actually using Google uh, autocomplete to, to, uh, and I wish they would answer those questions. I, I randomly just now typed Steve Martin because he was on, he was on uh, SNL the other day and i so the question's steve martin is steve martin still alive i would like to see him answer that question <laughs> uh steve martin still uh, married is steve martin a vegetarian is steve martin still married to edie Brickell? <laughs> so i'd like to see him answer like no i divorced that you know her 10 years ago well and, and that would open up all sorts of doors because if you if you start answering those sort of personal questions, which are changeable on a daily basis for sure. a pool of celebrities, who's going to pull those answers or change those answers as the celebrities' lives change? Right. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wonder too if, so if you're a celebrity and you have that, you know, you could type that in. If you just created your own website or used the website that you have now and just created YouTube videos and stuck them there that directly answer those questions, whether or not Google would, uh, would, you know, show those, maybe not as this feature, but at least as the first, you know, search result, maybe they should, maybe they should standardize the whole thing and say, you know, if somebody's going to ask a question about, a specific person, then there's only one expert. It's that person it's themselves. I mean, it's one thing if they ask a question about like, you know, a, a science question, then it's like, well, who is the expert that's going to answer that? But if it's a question about Steve Martin and Steve Martin wants to answer that question, 
then there should be some way to indicate to Google that, mm-hmm. that I've answered this question, here's the video. And I don't expect the celebrities to all go and start you know, looking at meta tags and trying to figure this out. But they're pe- you know, the people that run their websites, the people that, that manage you know, their talent agencies and stuff could certainly say, hey, here's a way, you know, let's get our IT guy on this uh, and figure this out and set things up so that these celebrities can answer these questions. And this is, this is cute and fun, and if the celebrities are enjoying it or getting something out of it, fine. But I don't want my answers to things in video form. I know, I mean, yeah. a lot of people do, and that's maybe what the kids today do. They use YouTube for, for their, as their Google, but I just want to read the answer and move on with my life. I don't want to sit and watch a five-minute video that answers the question. This is this uh, could be the People magazine or the Entertainment Tonight of search, right? Uh, I, I'm I'm wondering, does this? Do either of you know? Is this only on Google phones, or does it require the Google app? For instance, if you're on iPhone, it's the app. Yeah, I did, I looked at them on my the uh, Google app on my iPhone. Okay. Okay, so it's not like you go into your web browser on your iPhone and go to Google there and no. and you'll find it. No. So, uh, so yeah. So, and of course, you know, there's only a handful of celebrities. So the chances of a celebrity you like having some of these videos, you know, I just went to the articles written about this, look, you know, read about who some of the celebrities are that they had. And then I, then I typed in some of their sample questions just to, to see them. I know, you know, uh, you just mentioned, um, Saturday Night Live and Kenan Thompson is one of the people. So, and then the thing is, I didn't have to search for his other answers. I just searched one of the sample ones and he answered a question and then I just let it roll and it, he just went and, you know, we went to the next one automatically. So I just was able to watch his funny answers to lots of questions that he had, he had done a video of. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure I would, I, I can see people sitting at home being bored out of their mind or partially drunk or whatever, and they're trying to come up with questions to see what comes up. It's like trying to stump Siri or something, you know. That's right. The, like people try to come up with uh, weird things to, to ask their, their, their Siri or their, their uh, Alexa to, to see what funny answers come out of it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember doing that. That gets, that gets old pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I just, now I just want like useful things. <laughs> that uh, you know, I keep trying to find uses for my Alexa to, you know. Um, yeah, I'm wondering how fast this will get old. I, I guess time will tell. Yeah. Well, actually, the next thing we're going to talk about, uh, uh, Kevin, I think you, you, you wanted to talk about uh, assistance and Alexa. And right, yeah. I go. saw an interesting article at uh, theverge.com. I thought it would be... Uh, discussion we could have. Uh, Basically, the headline uh, says it all. Should you say please and thank you to your Amazon Echo or Google Home? And it's a little article uh, about whether you should be polite to your personal uh, voice assistant or not. I've heard, I've seen things on on Twitter and, and around where people don't like the way their children treat, uh, say, for instance, the, the, uh, the Alexa. They're, you know, just like, whatever. If they ask their question, you know, what's nine times eight or whatever. And they don't, and with a, in a rude tone of voice and, and they don't say please. And, and they, the, these parents think that, that, uh, 
what the, what the kids the kids are, are learning core behavior towards humans by dealing with their their robots that way. And anyway, but that's anyway. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Well, it, so I guess do you, do you guys are you guys polite to your uh, gadgets or or uh, or do you think that's ridiculous? I, I'm polite. Anytime I take something out of the refrigerator, I tell the refrigerator thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like I like the idea of being polite to the to the gadgets. I don't always do it. I but I don't. I'm not mean. You know, I don't yell at you know, Alexa for weather, I just ask normally. But sometimes I do feel the need to say thank you. I don't, <laughs> but I feel like I, and every once in a while I do um, just, just for the hell of it, because I don't know, it just, to me, it's, you know, you watch Star Trek, right? They didn't walk around, uh, you know, uh, you know, being mean to some of the, uh, some of the uh, androids and such. There and they, and they don't Star Wars either for that matter, right? right? They're not. They could, right? I mean, some of these some of these robots and androids mm-hmm. are just built to serve. And right. what's wrong with just yelling at them and calling them names? But they they don't. I think it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a human thing to want to do. And I guess it it would bother me if I had young kids that were just using technology and were just yelling at it uh, for things. I would probably say like. I don't know. <laughs> well, if, you know, if you're not nice to your Android, then it ends up like uh, Marvin and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, <laughs> where he's going around depressed all the time. Yeah. Right. You don't want well, to depressed Alexa. <laughs> I would love that. I would love a, a Marvin that, you know, be able to change Alexa or Siri to Marvin and have just those little quips at the end, you know, just humorous things. Um, and Here I, I am, brain the size of a planet, and I'm adding things to your shopping list. Exactly. I, w- I would use it more if it had a sense of, you know, a self-deprecating sense of humor. And actually, I, I posted to uh, Facebook this, one of the few times I posted to Facebook like, recently, was that, you know, the Microsoft used Cortana from the Halo game series as their assistant. And that's kind of neat. But I want to see Gladys from, from Portal. You know, the insane, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. Either of you guys play Portal? Uh, no, never have. I, I, have, I, have, I have, but I not really. Yeah. I mean, the but, thing is that... But, but if I did play it, I would say thank you at the end. I'm, I'm just No, I don't, I don't know if you would. Because <laughs> the idea there is that there's a, you know, a specific voice, and it's, a, it's the artificial intelligence running you through these series of tests. And it becomes very clear very quickly that this artificial intelligence has gone completely insane and is actually apt to kill you and, uh, and says very funny things uh, during the whole, like promising you cake, of course, is, the, is one of the most you know, best known things. You know, promising you at the end of this test, there'll be cake. You know, and meanwhile, all these you know, things are trying to kill you, <laughs> and you're supposed to be you know, spurred on by the fact that, oh, if I finish this test and don't die, I might get a slice of cake. <laughs> you know, because the, the artificial intelligence thinks, well, that's what people want. Mm-hmm. My research shows that they like cake, so I will give you know, It's delicious and moist. Exactly. <laughs> and I would love that. I would love a, a humor built into that where I got these little snide remarks or or, you know, like Marvin, the paranoid Android remarks. Um, I would, I would, it would probably make me use them more than the very straight man type of, 
thing that Siri and Alexa do. I mean, sure, there's little jokes, but I just I don't feel like I don't feel like there's enough. I I think Apple's in the right in the right mindset there, trying to make Siri have a little bit of humor. But I think you should be able to boost that, like a setting where I could say, hey, always be you know sarcastic or funny or hmm. or say something or you know every time i ask for weather make a comment i mean that wouldn't be hard right say it's going to rain later today you know you know i wouldn't want to be you you know that kind of thing just every single time but uh yeah i would i would pay money to amazon if their uh echo you know, if you ask what temperature is it outside, it said something like, this is the fifth time this hour that you've asked me. It hasn't really changed. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know. It's something for them all to think about. And, of course, as, uh, as they get more sophisticated, maybe, you know, there'll be more research done and seeing how people react to them. They could simply do A-B tests, you know. If they just went and said, let's increase the humor for half the people mm-hmm. randomly, and then, then let's see after 30 days if those people are more or less active or have a more or less favorable view of using our, you know, our Siri or Alexa or Cortana or, or Google. Yeah. I like your idea of making it a setting. I mean, maybe by default it's at whatever, 20% silly or 20% uh, attitude, but then if you wanted to up it, fine. If you just wanted a serious robot that's just going to give you don't 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 play with me. Just tell me what I want to know. Then you know some people want that. Uh, listening to uh, one of Dan Benjamin's podcasts, and that's that's what he wants. He's just like I. I sometimes you know he said whatever device he uses is just like, oh, it's it's really cold out there today. And he's like, I don't want that. I don't want your editorializing. I just want to know temperature. (laughs) (laughs) I would even, you know, in the back of my mind, I can't help but to wonder if the folks at either Apple or Amazon just sort of turn on the microphone for like five seconds after the answer is given by Siri or Alexa to see if somebody says thank you or, uh, you know, screw off or whatever, you know, they, that they're going to say back to the assistant. Um, I, I wonder if they really have that information. That, that, that'd that be interesting. I, I Probably not because that would be a scandal waiting to happen. But it would be if they did do that also to detect laughter. And if they did have a funny bit, you know, response to it, then, you know, to see how successful they are and thus make their uh, assistant funnier. <laughs> by well, it, and it, w- it would seem to me that the next logical progression of these virtual assistants is is that maybe you have a setting in there that allows it to enter what might be called conversational mode, where it does start listening again after it gives the answer to see if you have a follow up or to you know uh, to respond back to a clarification question or even a uh, respond back to uh, a retort or something. I, I have no idea. Yeah. It's one but, of the but it would that, seem to be a natural progression. Yeah, it's one of the things that sometimes bothers me is these things are, I, I don't, I'm not sure I know what the word is. They're, they're stateless. You know, it, it, you, you ask a question, you get your answer, and that's it. And literally, you can't even go, what was that? It, it's over. It's gone. You know, it doesn't know what it just said. It's forgotten about it. Well, right. Siri, Siri does do a little bit of, of states. You can actually do things in a sequence and refer to that as your last thing that you did. I, you know, 
example escapes me right now, but I have done something like that where you, you ask Siri something, you get a response, and then you can ask something that you normally wouldn't be able to ask, but because it's following, you know, along with this, you get a, you know, the proper response. Siri knows what it is you're talking about because you just asked it about something else or it just gave you a response like this. So there's a little bit of that. Apple's delving into it. That was like a, an improvement they made like a year or two ago that they announced that like, oh, now Siri actually will go back and forth with you rather than just answering the question. And, and hmm. I, would also, I would also like to see, uh, like in addition to humor, I wouldn't like to see it actually at all. But I think other people would love things like having a super cheery voice or a motivational you know, one, you know, have, being able to like, not just tweak a humor setting, but say, I want, I want Alexa to compliment me all the time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, because it, it, they have a, the compliment bot or That's whatever. A great idea, Gary. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, and oh, you're looking mighty fine today. Yes. <laughs> the weather's going to be, you know, chilly and rainy, but I know you can handle it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, different people would want different things uh, depending I certainly do know people that are very into, you know, would, would love a motivational style, uh, Alexa. Well, that's my personal hell, but okay. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, come, I would only do it ironically. <laughs> and just, yeah. After about three minutes, it's like, okay, that's enough. Go back to the way you were before. It's fine. Yeah. Of course, then, you know, it, it just started saying things like, well, you're so smart and stuff like that. It may, who knows? Maybe I might just just grow on me you're like well i'll leave the setting on for a little while longer (laughs) yeah i i I think that as as these sort of virtual we call them virtual assistants now but this ai or whatever you want to say starts to become a even bigger thing within the walls of the home um yeah i mean we we tend to personify them even though they're Basically, they're computers. I mean, we, we just talk to them, and we think that they talk back. And even more so, the younger generation, kids and stuff, are going to start to see them as, uh, you know, part of their life. And and as it starts to fill some emotional quotient there, then, yeah, maybe we've got to start treating them like, uh, dare I say it, humans, you know, for lack of a better term. Hmm. Yeah. We'll have to see, but the, especially the next generation, the generation that's growing up where these things have always been around for them. Right. Um, you know, if they, if they treat them differently, because I suspect they could go the other way and actually not care as much about any of this stuff. You know, just, they just want the straight answer and, you know, they're just not as interested. Whereas, you know, we're the, the generation that was raised on, you know, science fiction um, and saw the technology go from you know not having <laughs> computers and mobile phones and all that to having them. So we we tend to look around a lot, like in amazement and wonder that, like we have all these cool things now. Um, well, well, and and we have implicit or um, understood boundaries between types of devices. I mean, we we don't see the uh, teddy bear that talks to us as a real teddy bear or as an imaginary friend where somebody who grows up with it would. Uh, I mean, they don't have that boundary there. So I don't know. It will be interesting to see. Yeah. So uh, 
one last story here. Alan, you had something about this, uh, a guy that draws using Excel. Yeah, there, there's this guy in Japan. His, uh, his name's uh, Tatsuo Horiuchi, and I'm sure I pronounced that and murdered that name. Um, but I actually saw his story uh, a few years ago, and it just made it on to the, um, uh, the TV app, uh, and it's on uh, YouTube as well. What is it, Great Big Story or something like that is, is the name of the app or Next Big Story. But uh, this guy, when he retired, he, he's currently 77 years old, but when he retired, he decided that he wanted to be an artist. And his uh, first thing to do was look around and say, okay, what am I going to use as my medium? And he decided to use as his artistic tool, his artistic medium, the, uh, the drawing uh, tools within Microsoft Excel, which is to me like, using a hammer to drive in a screw. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, the stuff that he's created is really not bad. It, it's pretty good stuff. But I can't help but think that if he'd used a program that was specialized for drawing, that he could have made even more better stuff um, uh, than what he did. So um, I guess it's not unusual for people to use what they have available to accomplish what they want. If the only thing you know is a, ha if the only thing you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Yeah, I, I was, you know, when I first saw the story, I assumed that he just colored in cells in the spreadsheet, like pixels, you know, because you could take an Excel spreadsheet, make a huge one, and then make all the cells square, and then and doing that, but that's not what he's doing. He's actually using some of the drawing tools inside of Excel, like lines and such, uh, to do correct. Things. And he makes very detailed uh, Japanese uh, traditional artwork of you know Mount Fuji with trees and leaves and everything else like that. And some of it's quite pretty, um, but that's his tool of choice that he uses. Yeah, it really made me think of all the times that. I find somebody's using a piece of software not for what it originally was intended. Um, it seems to happen a lot, and uh, you know, going all the way back to you know early personal computing days, um, people will, you know, like I get people making calendars using, uh, you know, numbers, or you know, doing spreadsheets in as tables inside of pages, uh, you know, things like that. Using Keynote as like a graphics program to just create like one graphic or you know, put a caption on an image, uh, that kind of thing. I, I, I remember years ago, um, gee, it must have been uh, back in the 80s, um, I worked at a computer book publishing company uh, in Indianapolis, and the um, CFO for the company, this was before the days of Excel even, and Lotus 123 was the big thing, and the uh, CFO for the company at a book publishing company he wrote every single one of his memos using Lotus 123. <laughs> he, he, he wouldn't write memos with a word processor to save his life because he knew Lotus 123, and all of them came out of that program. So wow. maybe this is the guy that retired and he moved to Japan and he started doing artwork with, uh, <laughs> with Excel. I have no idea. Have you guys seen that there's a subreddit uh, called MS Paint where people post pictures that they have drawn using Microsoft Paint? Um, Microsoft Paint is just about the most simple drawing tool that there is, right? It ships with 
with every Windows version, I think. Right. Um, some of some of the art that people post is amazing. This is like amazing, and you can't believe that someone could could have created it in Photoshop, let alone by hand in MS Paint. And uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. You're right. Some of it looks cool, and then others is exactly what you would expect. <laughs> yes, it's not my skill level, yes, but there's some good stuff in there. No, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, people creating pixel art and all sorts of different different ways. Um, I certainly know when I did a webcomic for a while, and I was using very unconventional, I was using Adobe Animate, to create a non-animated, uh, you know, uh, two, you know, two D thing because I knew the tool, and I didn't feel like learning a whole new thing. And I wanted to do pixel art, and it could do pixel art pretty, pretty easily using just squares. Whereas doing it, say, in Photoshop or something, you know, I just I tried, I played around with it, and I was like, oh, it wants to make all the squares kind of fuzzy, <laughs> you know, and anti-aliased and merge things together and make things smooth and it's like it's not what i want so i ended up using that and i'm i'm pretty sure that uh i may have been one of a million web comics but i was pretty sure i was the only one actually creating my web comic that way <laughs> out of everybody <laughs> well it's a hammer you knew and it did the job so e- exactly it, it was able to i was able to hammer that screw right in <laughs> to the drywall did you move on from that project i, I, oh. I enjoyed those yeah, you know, I I enjoyed doing them too, but I took a break. Um, I actually took a survey of because uh, it was a feature in my weekly MacMost newsletter, and I did a survey of what people liked the newsletter, and it came down at the bottom. <laughs> it was like the thing oh. that people least said they liked, which surprised the hell out of me because I thought there would be other things I thought maybe they didn't like, and I was thinking, well, I can get rid of those things if they don't want them, and to see like, oh, the the most personal thing that I was making. Uh, that's what they don't like. So I decided that I was like, well, I'll take a break from it. Um, and I just haven't gotten back to it. I still jot down ideas every once in a while for it. Do you have the, do you have the comics still available on your website? Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's metaphorical inking.com. Yeah. You ought to put the link on the TEH website. Um, yeah. I bet there's some people would like to, to see the hammer that you're using. Yeah. Because I got, you know, I, I have done, there were more than a hundred, hundred and some, ones I did and a lot of them are very evergreen you know because they're about technology and startups and stuff like that and I tried not to do too many that were like what's in the news this week but more like you know things that you could look at years later and they would still make sense so so they're still up there and I still think one day I'm yeah I actually honestly thought I'd be I'd take a six-month break and then get back to it and I think it's been two years now it's hard (laughs) really I can't believe it's been that long because I think so I I, I can't either just seems yeah. last week it's hard to get back to, i mean like having a habit is fine and and you do it and it's the regular thing you do but man once you stop it is can be very difficult to get back to it which is why i've been doing my newsletters for 20 years because i know <laughs> if i stop for one week it's gonna like the world's gonna fall apart yeah at least for me <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and I, yeah i definitely think i one day, maybe I'll get back to it. But it, there's a lot of pressure when you when you give yourself that self-imposed deadline and say, I'm going to do this weekly, and there's got to be a new one out every Thursday morning. And then some weeks, it's wonderful. Some week on a Monday afternoon, you're like, oh, well, here's an idea, and you throw it together, and hey, that was a nice break from what I was doing. And other times, you're sitting there late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, no idea what you're going to do one on, and you feel stressed 
They're like, why do I feel stressed? I shouldn't feel stressed. I, nobody's forcing me to do this. Um, but then, yeah, you know, it's just a matter of forcing yourself. Yeah, exactly. So then, stress. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to take a break and say, Hey, I don't have to do one this week or next week or the week after. And then you get in that habit. But if, you know, uh, on the plus side, if you, uh, if you're nice to Alexa, you'll feel better. So it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if I could, say, maybe say thank you. Yeah. Maybe if Alexa could, if I could have Alexa, just tell me how much she enjoys <laughs> reading my webcomic, you know, like every day, uh, weather, oh, it's going to be sunny and 72 degrees. And by the way, I looked at your webcomic from January, you know, 2015. I really liked the one about this. And then if it said, said that every day to me, I probably would start up again. Yeah. You would feel much better. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm only mostly kidding because actually that might be something that might work for some people <laughs> to actually get them motivated to do something. Did you guys read or were you familiar with a webcomic, early internet comic? I think it was, a lot of it was before the web, um, called Dr. Fun. Yeah. Vague, it was, I, I can't remember it very well. It, but it I was one of my favorite online comics. I think I used to originally get it by downloading it via FTP. Yeah. And uh, I just looked it up. It ran from 1993 to 2006. Wow. So it's been out of print for what 11 or 12 years wow but um they're still funny uh they they did i think uh he did it, he did it for 10 years uh or no well he did he did it for a long time 93 2006 that's yeah more than 10 years and, yeah i i feel that same way about the old uh, strong bad cartoons that mm-hmm. uh, uh that were done what in flash and yeah. and aren't yes. around anymore but they, they were so funny <laughs> anyway yeah, definitely. So, what what have all uh, what's everybody been working on this week, or been reading, or been doing? Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, I mentioned last week that I got a bunch of Atari stuff, and and one of those things was a a, a Votrex Type and Talk, uh, which is a early uh, speech uh, device, and you it it uh, does text to speech, and uh, it came out in nineteen eighty. 1980, I think, um, and it connected to your computer via a serial port, and then you could type either text or phonemes, and it would talk in a robotic voice. So I'm trying to get this thing to work. Um, and uh, hooked it up to my Atari, and my Atari 800, and it was not working. Couldn't get it to talk. So I'm like, okay, I don't really know what the problem, if it's with the, with the, with the speech hardware or with the Atari. So I decided to hook it up to my Mac. And so, of course, this old device is, has a serial port, and my Mac doesn't have a serial port. It has a USB port. So I dug around into the, the closet of cables uh, that we all have, and I found a, c- a couple of uh, USB to serial adapters. Um, the first one I found, um, it just said, it's just a USB to serial adapter. There's no branding on it. There's no – I can't – I basically I can't install a driver because I don't know what company this is from um, and it won't work without a driver. And the second one I found I uh, uh, in the closet, I found the driver for it. And that was no problem. It was even updated for current versions of Mac OS. Great. And all I'm getting on the screen is little dots. Like I can't send or receive any characters. So again, I'm not really sure 
if if it's the 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 heart the the voice hardware or it's the serial port. So then I hooked it up to an old modem, and I'm still just getting dots. So I think that that serial USB to serial connection is bad. So I went on Twitter. I'm just like, USB to serial adapters are just a mess. What should I get? And two buddies each highly recommended one. So I bought both of them. Um, so now I have a new stack of of uh, USB to serial adapters right here on my desk, and I, my next thing is to uh, install the drivers for these and see if I can talk to my serial devices with uh, either of these, just basically so I can get a 30-year-old device to say hello world to me. Yeah, you could make YouTube videos with it and <laughs> tell, oh. sh- show people what, uh, what the synthesized voice used to sound like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, totally this, this is what uh, Siri used to sound like before she grew up. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. What about you, Alan? Um, I've got a. I've been deeply immersed for the last uh, couple of weeks in uh, redoing uh, a video course that I've got. I've, I've for about the past two and a half years, have had a course available on how to program macros in Excel, and uh, with some of the changes in Excel and stuff, I, I wanted to update. Uh, uh, the videos and rather than just sort of hodgepodge update and patch and things like that I just decided to redo the whole course um, which is a much bigger project than what I thought it was and so I've been um, you know underwater and doing this with a uh, expected target of oh I think about end of the first week in January of being done with it. And I've just got tons of work to do to finish it up. Nice. So, could you make, could you make macros in Excel to create art in Excel? Not this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I probably could though. Nice. Conway's game of life or something. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I certainly could do that. Yeah. I've also been working, uh, doing course type stuff. Cause I, I come out with courses too every once in a while. And I've been working on a course on like Mac productivity or it's like, you know, getting things done on your Mac kind of thing. Um, and I've been toying around with the course for a while now doing a video here, video there coming up with the table of contents. And I suddenly realized the end of the year is almost here and I'm close to being done. And if I don't finish it and basically get it out this week, um, I pretty much going to have to wait till January to release it. Right. Cause it'll be the holidays and it's pretty bad time to, release something so i'm trying to see if you know i've been working working through the weekend here trying to see if i can get this course finished um so i could release it at the last reasonable time i can do and uh and if i do get it done and release it i'll, I'll probably mention it next week um so uh so that's what i've been busy doing making videos just like you alan it sounds like we're just basically doing the same thing and i'm even doing some of the stuff i'm doing is on automator on the mac so like macros like we're probably doing like the same kinds of videos the, the, the same sort of thing yeah. It, yeah it's amazing how fast the end of the year is coming it, it it never ceases to amaze me so yeah yeah it does move well and also how quickly the end of the episode comes mm-hmm. um so i think we should probably wrap it up uh the, uh, I'm, I'm making a note here. Huge success. Yeah. Huge success. <laughs> nice <laughs> reference. <laughs> so the show notes for this week are going to be at tehpodcast.com slash teh4, or you can just go to tehpodcast.com and click on episodes at the top. 
We're also on Twitter at, at the T E H podcast. And you can find us uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash the T E H podcast. Uh, we could also really use your ratings and reviews on iTunes. So if you can subscribe to us through iTunes or your podcast app on your iOS device uh, and, or through whatever service it is that you listen to, we appreciate your feedback and the reviews of course help to spread the word about the podcast. People tend to try out a, a podcast if they notice their reviews and we're new. So we don't have that many reviews up there yet. So we certainly would appreciate that. So I guess that's it for us. Uh, Till uh, next week, I guess. Uh, bye, everyone. Bye. Great. Yeah. Thanks for podcasting. Thanks. Have a good day. Yeah.